Hello, 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 and welcome to Capital Musings, UNCDF podcast, where we focus on fresh ideas and make finance work for the poor. I'm Edardo Tonchoni, your host, and you can find Capital Musings on your preferred streaming platform or on our dedicated website, podcast.uncdf.org. The theme of this season is the road to Doha, in line with the upcoming 5th UN conference for the least developed countries. This is going to be held in two different events. The first part of the conference is going to be held on the 17th of March in New York. And the second half of the conference is going to be held in March 2023 in Doha, Qatar. Today, I have the pleasure of meeting Rekik Bekele. Rekik Bekele is the CEO of Green Scene Energy, providing women-headed households with access to affordable, reliable and clean sources of electricity in rural Ethiopia. Welcome, Rekig. How are you? I am good. How are you? Thanks for joining us today. So, Rekig, tell us three words that best describe your life journey thus far and what they mean to you. I think the three words that can describe my journey is consistency, innovation and inclusion. I think these are the words. Okay, so consistency, innovation, and inclusion. Can you tell us a little bit more what they mean to you? Why consistency, why innovation, why inclusion? What do they mean to you? I think throughout my journey, especially in the business world, since I started my company, Green Synergy PLC, and before that, the company which failed because of a partnership, I uh, can see that if we have consistency, I can achieve what I want to achieve. It can be slow down. It can be, there might be a celerity, but there might be so many successful parties in the journey. But if there is consistency, quit quitting, I think that leads to a goal that I want to achieve in the end. So consistency is really very, very important for my journey and in my life, especially for the business world. Innovation. Because especially again for the business world, as you are doing the businesses, the world is changing in different ways, such as the recent COVID-19 or the war in Ethiopia recently. So again, consistency is really, really necessary within all those challenges, but innovation is really a must. Then we can go through different challenges, different changes that the community wants and with the technology which is coming the technology or the services that we are providing is acceptable by our community and it fits to their needs. And the third is inclusion, because without including the majority, which is usually in Ethiopia case or in my business case scenario, it is the poor, the off-grid community, which doesn't get electricity, who are not included in most of the businesses or who are not mainly considered as the customer. So those are really very, very important for me. So yeah, that's why these works are so much into me and they express my life and my journey. Very interesting, Reiki. So consistency, innovation, and inclusion. So can you tell us a little bit more when you talked about innovation, you were describing it like as a must for that change to occur. And, and most importantly, for something that the community that you are supporting and you're including in your 
business wants and for it to be like whatever innovation you bring forward for it to be acceptable and fit to their needs. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, what that means to you? For example, with Green Seal, when we started in 2016, what we were doing is we were following a business model, which is basically delivering the solar home systems to our customers ourselves. So we had to go straight into the community, to the upgrade community, which are really far from where we live, from Addis, and deliver the products there and promote it ourselves. We learn a lot by promoting it, by doing it ourselves and selling it to our customer, installing it to them. However, affordability was an issue because mainly cash was a problem because with that business model that we have in the beginning, you add all of this cost is, you know, promoting ourselves into the community, driving all the way down there and installing it ourselves and so on. It's good for us as a company, but also it's costly. And also we were selling it in cash basis, which is upfront. They have to pay upfront. So it will take us some time to sell it. And when we sell it, it's also a bit expensive. So what we did was to make it affordable, we said, okay, let's try through a business model, which will include retailers. So we were like sending products from Addis into the regions. So regional retailers were helping us. That model was working a little bit, but it was not still affordable because the retailers also put their margin on it, but also they, we are not sure if the service delivered or the promotion delivered in the regions, in the rural areas with as quality enough. So we tried, we changed this business model again. We are innovating. We are also experiencing. Otherwise, if we stop on the first one, we won't do much. So the third business model that we have tried was like, okay, we need to make it affordable. So to make it affordable, we started partnering with microfinance institutions who have branch offices in the community. So those microfinance institutions' purpose is actually to give loans out to the customers. In our case, it's going to be to our customers who would like to buy solar products from us. So we provide the products and the microfinance institution gives a loan to our customers. In that case, our customers can take the product from us. We get the cash payment and our customer can pay slowly to the microfinance institution over a year or two years period of time. That's really worked very, very well because it became affordable. Again, our customers can also access our products through the microfinance branches, which means cheaper than what we were doing previously, generally. So that really worked. But then as we were doing our business again, we realized that still the microfinance institutions are not well into the communities because their branch offices are only working in distances mainly like 30 to 35 kilometer areas from their branch offices, which means the deep rural areas are not included in this loan system. And not all microfinance institutions are willing to actually work with us. For example, so far we have six microfinance institutions who are happy to work with us. And each of them have about 20 to 30 branch offices. Not all their branch offices are happy to give a loan or a solar product. We have to really align with what their branch offices plan. So we thought we're going to be limited if we are thinking of reaching our goal, which is our goal is 
to reach 600,000 households in the next five years. That business model still works, but it's going to be very limited. So we told innovating again, improving again, and learning from other countries. And we started exploring, and luckily, the ETO Telecom, which is the only and the biggest telecom company in Ethiopia, and it's a public telecom company in Ethiopia, it's huge, so much infrastructure, like infrastructure across Ethiopia. And they have their offices, branch offices, retail shops across Ethiopia, and they have this telecom network. And we have been trying Zero, which it's a technology where our customers can pay as they use it, as they are using solar power in their houses. So again, it's the same as microfinance institutions, but it's a bit different because our customers can pay from wherever they are and they don't need to be near to the microfinance institutions and it's a technology where our customer does not need a collateral with the microfinance institutions. They need a collateral, but when they are using our new technology, which is a PRC code solution, they don't need a collateral because the equipment, the solar equipment by itself can be a collateral, for example. They pay upfront costs in the beginning and then they take the products to their home and they pay slowly over 12 months period of time. So we were trying out this technology and we started partnering with the Communication Corporation so that we can deliver solar products across the country through the pay as a business model. We are currently on this stage and we kept our innovation. We also kept trying to include the poor. We cannot afford to pay. What I didn't mention on our journey, what we have learned with our microfinance institution partners is that the women who are taking the loan, the repayment rate of the women's are much higher than men, especially for solar products. So that was a very nice discovery for us. So we started targeting women with a pay as equals solution. And our main target, we are always happy when the women customers are coming. And then we will be with the new business model. So our business model also is inclusive of women and the poor in rural off-grid areas. So that's why I say innovation is really key for our journey as a company as well. What a journey, Hachik. I think you really brought us through the different stages and how, especially when doing business in emerging economies like Ethiopia, you really need to be adaptable to the different needs. I think you touched upon some crucial elements when we talk about access to energy and when we talk about affordability of making finance work for the poor are very key. So you talked about not only affordability, but in concrete terms to what that actually means and the importance of the penetration of having the reachability to the furthest behind as well. And what that would mean in terms of your business model as a business woman, trying to adapt it to make sure that you have the reach that you need and you can reach your goal down the line, which is 600,000 households in five years time. So can you tell us a little bit more the change of the modality and the business model, not only to work with MFIs as microfinancial institutions, but also applying this pay as you go system, depending on when the customer actually is using those solar panels that you provide. Can you tell us a little bit more, you know, the end customer and what brought you to even bring about and define and build up your company, Green Scene Energy, and what that means? So when we talk about our business models, what comes is a problem. 
where and why we started green seeing, you know, and what was there before, right? So currently about 70 million people that do not have access to electricity. What does it mean? It means most of these people are using kerosene lamps for lighting, dry cell battery powered torches again for lighting, and they travel distances to recharge their mobile phone to the nearest urban center that could be on average 10 to 12 kilometers. And then they sit there for hours waiting until the mobile is charged and they pay three to five per on average. What is currently existing is manually operating productivity, which can stop when the light stops. And these are the implications and it's very costly. So on average, the Ethiopian households, they spend about $8 per month, which is about 8% of their monthly income just for lighting and mobile charging. And then, yeah, those sorts of what I have mentioned about. So what we really wanted to do is to give them a product which costs very similar to what they are actually paying monthly. So in the beginning, we were providing them a product which costs, let's say, on average, our product costs about $100 for solar home systems. And we were asking them to pay cash. So people does not have that cash because, as I said, their monthly expenses about eight USD. But these people are, can afford eight USD per month, but not 100 USD in one go. So the business model took us through microfinance institutions because these people can pay for the microfinance institution eight USD per month. They can deposit that every month. We are allowing them to pay exactly the same way as they are paying for their kerosene lamp and all those unhealthy and costly and time. And if they're taking with, I can continue with the, what they are using currently, health risk, fire risk. It doesn't give them peace of mind because there are lots of risks related to fire, especially, and kerosene lamping. So they are basically paying the same amount of money what they used to pay for those into the solar system. So that brought us to the microfinance institutions. But then, since we wanted to reach the 600,000 households by in the next five years, working with microfinance institutions will not scale us as quickly as for as, as urgently as the market demands us. So we started piloting pay as we go because our customers from wherever they are, they can access pay as you go. They can pay through using their mobile phone because mobile penetration in Ethiopia is far from electricity penetration. There is at least 1.5 mobile exists in each household in Ethiopia. So in every rural household now currently uses a mobile phone. So they can pay through their mobile phone from wherever they are once they access the system. So what the pay as ecosystem enables them is basically, as I mentioned earlier, they will be, for example, when our, our Ethiopian Telecom partnership supplying product will be launched through Ethiopian Telecom partnership, our products will be available throughout the Ethiopian Telecom retail shops across the country. So a customer will go to one of the Ethiopian Telecom retail shop and will access our product, will pay initial deposit of 20%. 
once they pay that deposit, they will take the product without any collateral. That is affordability. And then from that onwards, they pay eight USD per month, exactly the same as what they used to pay from their home. And once they finish paying the amount, which is expected from them over 12 months period of time, they will have a warranty, which continues for the next one year. One. Secondly, they will be owning the product after finishing their payment. So they confirm the reliability of the product. One. Two, they already own the product as well, the solar product. And they are not really stressed regarding paying upfront cash. They just are exactly paying the same way as they used to pay for their old way of using kerosene lamp and so on. So that's how we try to include and financially all the community who cannot afford it. Very clear, very detailed. And I think it's very useful to know when you really need to think about, okay, so what's the market that we're trying to approach? What are the needs of the community you'd like to reach as customers? And how do you adapt that? And making sure that not only is it affordable, it all works for them in a way that is sustainable and that allows them to utilize to the best extent possible your services. But let's try and talk a little bit more about you, Reiki. So as we're celebrating, March is the Women's History Month, and uh, we're celebrating International Women's Day on the 8th of March. So tell us a little bit more about gender dimensions of access to energy and your experience in making business in a least developed country like Ethiopia as a woman. So our company, we are not doing it just for the women. We are also doing it just for our company. We're not doing it only because we want to benefit them, but because we want to benefit as well, you know, as a company. So as I mentioned to you, both with both microfinances and our pilots here, you know, what we confirm is that women owners of our solar products, the payment rate is really, really high. So we target women because of that, firstly. And why I'm saying that is because what we have seen with visiting our customers, the most benefit that goes with solar product sales, you know, energy sales is the benefit or the impact goes to the women because the women's are the one who are spending more time in the house. The women's are the one who sees, who sits at home and who sits the benefit of her child doing his own studies. The women's are the one who's like washing or doing all home activities, including taking care of her child. So we have recently celebrated our company fifth year's anniversary in December with one of our customers home. And what they said was currently when their children gets up in the morning and sleep, they don't get ashes, black ashes come out of from their nose. And we know that indoor air pollution is, you know, one of the fifth killer generally. So that's not anymore there in, in our customers' house. And the women see that the difference every day. And of course, what they are scared of is fire risk. Most houses, um, in one way or in another, they have experienced fire risk. It could be during the, the time that a child or students are doing their studies or a kerosene lamp left alone and so on. We have heard lots of 
really uh, scary stories regarding fires. So it's a peace of mind for the women. So they really are so happy to pay for the solar systems. And of course, not mentioning the costs. They know the cost. Every 15 days they go to the market, they buy the kerosene from the market. That's the, mainly the women's responsibility, usually. So they know the cost and they are really, really with the solar system that they are paying. So that's why we are targeting the women. So including them, our business grows, including, of course, our repayment rates is really high. Our default rate is really high. So our sustainability of business is really confirmed. So that's why we're targeting the women. Of course, the same way in our business regarding employment as well, we like to hire women so that our gender balance in the office is really right. Why we're doing this is not because we just make a balance, because we see a higher performance, because we see our office dynamics is really nice when it's a women and men balance it. Of course, it's really taking an effort from us to hire a woman, to fight the right women immediately and so on. It takes really time. We have sometimes we have to advertise a job two, three times while we can have a recent experience. We, we advertise a, a job and 200, over 200 people responded. That's only 20, 20 people with women. It's like that. So it's like we have to advertise it again after going through lots of procedures. So. I know it's, it takes a long spring, but once, once it's really happening and it is really good for our office dynamics and work is really done and really well, sometimes male colleagues see things very, uh, not detailed way, but our women, uh, in specific jobs, especially respond really well. So I think that's why we do it. It's not just because to benefit women, it is because to benefit us to benefit our company and to make sure our sustainability of our company or consistency is really continuing. Thank yeah. you for this thing to it. I think, yeah, I don't think it's mutually exclusive in a way. And I think it speaks about also the way that you're describing. It speaks about understanding your customer and where the, the end customer is, uh, makes more sense, not only from a business perspective, but also from uh, sustainability, accessibility, et cetera, and access to energy, which is the end goal here, uh, perspective as well. But what about you? What's your personal experience around making business in Ethiopia as a woman? Do you feel there's any peculiarities around it in comparison to competitors? let's say, that make business around energy, but they are male-headed. What's your take on that? Yeah, as a woman, being in a business or being in the energy sector generally, I think it might be a bit different since I know very few companies, especially women and late companies are involved in the energy sector. I, I, and I say it's like two companies that I know. There might be in different ways, but it's very few. And as a business, it's okay, we're doing okay, but there are different experiences personally that I have had to pass uh, throughout my journey, just being as a woman and being in this sector, including, you know, it's like going out to the field and stay by myself. And that's something which the community, especially the rural community, did not experience because as a woman, you are expected to be married when you are like, 16, 17, usually what I have experienced in rural areas. 
and uh, you are already having children when you are like uh, 20, 22, and then you are a mother. That's like a woman's responsibility, nothing else. But, and when they see me, when I'm on my field work, there are so many positive things that people, I think, learn that they see their children, their wife or their daughters. Oh, she could have done this, this too, you know, she could have, like, this can be also done. That's like an influence that I think any woman can go and make. But at the same time, I experienced several, what do you say, negativity as well. They see you going onto the field. I was a technical person doing installation and so on in the field work with seven or more male together with me. So it's like they see me as a loose girl going up around with men and so on. And so suddenly they make comment of this, but it's us to show that's not it. I think can actually do work and so on. And that needs strength, of course, but yeah, it's a bit of a challenge. That comes into business as well. It's, uh, it's not easy when you are dealing with in a male-dominated world, I would say. It's like we are raising investment. It was not easy. We have experienced some men actually approaching us to give us investment and so, but I think that is because it's a women business rather than a male. I, I don't think my colleagues, my partners or my colleague companies have experienced it similarly. Thank you for sharing this, Ricky. So it's a very peculiar experience that you have, right? And despite all the impediments, despite all the challenges, uh, you're still going. And uh, it's important that we have examples like yours uh, for any woman or girl that are listening to think that they can do it, despite this may be something like running a business, uh, like running an energy business may not necessarily be something that they see in their daily life. So mm -hmm. with that mindset, what would you like to say to either your younger self or other girls that may want to to start a business uh, in an emerging economy like, or an LDC like Ethiopia, what's your suggestions? Do you have anything to share with them to empower them to do it as you are doing very successfully uh, right now, Rikik in Ethiopia? I always say challenge is always an opportunity as well. So as a woman, we have lots of challenges, but there is more than the challenges. There are like infinite opportunities, like in a country like Ethiopia, especially. And I must say the edge sector right now needs so many women to get involved. Then we can actually develop our country and can benefit ourselves as a women and benefit our families, our community and our country. That's one. But that needs really consistency and talking to people who are awarded for themselves, it's not to be sharing what they want to do because not everybody is the same or so many people, so many men are happy to share their experts and experiences. I'm saying men because it's not always easy to find a women model. As I said, in the sector, there very, very few women are involved. So I don't think the young women who want to be in Chakron or who want to come into this sector should expect other many women to be successful in the sector yet. But there are so many men, including a person who is really a model for me or, or pushed me to come into this sector as a man called Nabi, who really 
I think sh- sh- like he was my boss, but also he owns the company. Now it's, we own similar companies in sector. Like he has a solar company, they have a solar company and we have a solar company. We are now colleagues and partners and supporters. So we need to be open and share what we want and follow models. It could be male or female and then happy to share because the world is so small. The energy sector is even much more smaller, but there are many, many people to help out. So it's like, go out and share what you want to do to the people that you trust. That's the second thing that I want to say, but yeah, keep innovating, see the, see the problems around you. We have like so many problems. Again, these are so many opportunities and then see the problems in terms of opportunities or trying to create opportunities out of them. And that, so that we can be a solution for ourselves and our, our community again. That's what I want to say. Thanks so much, Rakeek. I think to speak up, share what you want and seek help and mentorship from anybody around you. I think having examples like yours really help out to, to spread the word and to, to make sure that your realities reach uh, as many people as possible. That's at least what we're trying to contribute to with this podcast and other endeavors from UNCDF side. So just really closing up. To link it up a little bit to LDC5, which is so important for LDCs. So this 50th conference, defining the priorities, they're going to set up, set the tone, let's say, for the next 10 years in least developed countries. Do you have any opportunities, as you call them, instead of challenges that you think that us as development practitioners, we should all be thinking about and working on over the next decade? Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I could start from our companies. We're planning all this plan and ambitious goal to reach, to help out, you know, our government who planned to reach a sustainable development goals by 2025 and by 2030. So our plan is coming along together with the Ethiopian government plan, which is, as I said, SDG 7. So for us to reach our goal, we are really trying what we can do and kept innovating, as I said earlier. And then, but what we are missing is, as I said, we are basically financing the end users, you know, through pay as equal business model, which means we need a huge finance at the back. Otherwise, all this work that we have done cannot be done without a finance. And currently, for example, Green Scene is looking for investment and finances to help us out on this I know there are so many fundings, finance, impact investments, and investments are around the world, but we're talking about LDCs and YouTube is one of them. And though we have different criteria as a country and rules and regulations regarding how investments are coming, and that's really actually challenging us and the timing is not working with the investment that we are needing, like we are really needing investment right now. But because of the rules and regulations of investment coming to Ethiopia, we are really late. So the urgency of, for us looking for investments really so high, that how, how are we going to access that is needs to be really discovered. So if you are investing in the next or planning in the next, you know, 10 years of time, this needs to be really discovered. All LDC countries needs to be discovered and how knowledge and fundings or promoting to investors so that they can come to a country, Ethiopia, 
needs to be really something to be explored specifically for Ethiopia, for example, because each African country is very different and each other continent countries are very different and they need to be really discovered differently so that, for example, we can reach our goals. But finance is really not easy. Of course, we are trying to bring finances as much as possible and as urgently as possible. But what I'm passing to the UNCDF is this, actually, reach all NDC countries separately with or differently with different approach because our problems are really different so that we urgently can collaborate to achieve this access to energy for all as quickly as possible. And the community does not need to wait. They have waited all this long while all these technologies are available. And I feel so sorry that I'm sitting in full access to electricity and I can do whatever, lighting, heating, businesses, and so on. And my fellow off-grid community cannot do any of that. And that needs really urgency from all of us. Indeed, Rakik. Time is up. Let's discover the LDCs. Let's discover their specificity and let's make financing options as affordable, as reachable, as to the last mile as possible to make the SDGs, SDG 7 in this case, for energy a reality for all. So thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing your story with us, for sharing your perspective, for sharing a successful journey of your company and uh, congratulations on your fifth year anniversary and thank you to our audience for tuning in and tuning in to Capital Music's UNCDF podcast where we focus on fresh ideas that make finance work for the poor in emerging economies like Ethiopia and if you like this episode please give it a thumbs up please leave a comment tag us share it with friends uh, use hashtag Capital Musings, as well as for this particular case, the IWD 2022 for International Women's Day. And leave a comment if you can, because comments really help us get that visibility and reach as many listeners as possible to share these important stories like Rekit's for young women that, in this case, would like to start on their own journey and through their businesses going forward so thanks so much again until next time